Good morning, Church. My name is Hilda Cano, and today we have the privilege to read from the book of Exodus when the Israelites were trapped between the Red Sea and the Egyptians. Let's read. They said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we say to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians, for it will have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. The Lord said to Moses, to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. These words are true, and they can be trusted. Let's pray together. Lord, we do love you. And I, I think of uh, the Exodus text. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Lord, I feel in my heart that there are, um, there are people here, they, they probably, they do, definitely do feel like they're at a standstill. Um, the step forward is going to require some form of an external engagement. And I pray that, Lord, you would do whatever you can do. Um, to move them not into Egypt again, but to move them to the place where they can experience your glory and grace. Where they can know what it's like to have a new kind of peace, a new kind of trust. God, to remove the fear of man and the fear of man-made things and let the deep reverence of you replace it. If you would today, just in a spirit of prayer, just ask, Lord, speak to me. Lord, speak to me. Pray for the people next to you. Pray that God would speak to them too. And if you would, even pray for me. Pray that the Lord would speak through me. Lord, we desire nothing more than to see you ever clearer. In your wonderful name, let your nature be seen today. Help us to not merely read the text, but God, help us to find the author's intent of all of these texts that were written. In your wonderful name, Lord, amen. You guys are great. You can have a seat. 
It is good to be with you all today in the house of the Lord. I love it. For those that are watching online, thank you for joining us. Um, Man, it was good. Thank you for um, allowing me to take last week and go spend a little time with my family. We went down to the Gulf Shores area. It was fun. It was beautiful. Uh, I got to actually put on a wetsuit. I've not done that before. And did some bodyboarding. The first few hours were me basically just having water flow through my sinuses. It was awesome as I tumbled in there. But I did get it figured out. I have a, I have a nephew. Um, he's in late high school, and he is excellent at it. And so he was like, Uncle Mike, come here, Uncle Mike. So he kept working with me, uh, and, I, and I, definitely, I definitely did much better near the end. It was a lot of fun to go there. And so thank you for that. And Mike Schultz, of course, did a great job. I'm so glad he was able to come and speak at the campuses here on the north side. Uh, he did a wonderful job this last week, too. Uh, I'm excited. Let's get into today's message. Come on. Who's glad to be in the house of the Lord? Let's wake up a little bit. It is good to be here. Let the caffeine kick in. I'm excited to get into today's message. We are in a series. It's actually a series of series uh, where we are walking through the whole story of the Bible this year. So we've done in the beginning kind of the creation and fall of humanity. We're now in the chosen ones. And we're going to move soon into the kingdom of Israel and how God is, of course, going to work all the way. Promised land, kingdom come, new covenant. And then ultimately our forever, our forever home, our destiny. Destination. And it is so important, church family, online in this room, it's so important that we take the time to know the story of God because it is your story. It is your story. We are uncovering where I, and I fit in the kingdom of God. If I broke this, I'm sorry. Um, and so I'm excited. We're going to be talking. I think I broke this in the back. Did I? Is this work? Can you hear me? You can hear me now, right? All right, if it cuts out, somebody get me a microphone. We'll, we'll make do. Um, today we're going to be looking at the Red Sea. So we talked a little bit about Moses last week, and now we're going to be talking about the Red Sea, how God draws us out. Now, quick question. God rescued his people out of Egypt into... Not the promised land. He rescued them into the wilderness. He rescued them into the wilderness. I know, I, I totally baited you for that. It's, it's, it was my fault, the way I worded that. I did it on purpose. He rescued them into the wilderness. He rescued them into the wilderness. All right, so I remember being back in high school, and uh, wilderness times are interesting. I remember being back in high school, and there's something that has to happen in our hearts. So I remember I went to youth group, and my youth pastor, uh, Eddie Shigley at the time, uh, he challenged us as students to take our Bibles to school and read them. Okay, so anybody here like grow up in a youth department, kind of a classic Protestant Christian youth group? You know, I mean, this like true love waits, and you go to like CIY, all the classic, you know, youth events. Well, one of the challenges that was given was to take our Bibles to school and to read our Bibles in the downtime. So we're not like, he's not asking us to be like these Bible jerks, you know, like everybody that walks by us to be like, love Jesus. was Not that, right? But literally just like in the quiet time. So when you're done with your classwork and you're waiting for the bell to ring, just, he was like, just pull out your Bible. Just, just start reading it. Don't say anything to anybody. You don't have to make a big deal about it. Just start reading your Bible. In the lunchroom, when you're done eating and you're waiting for the bell to ring, just 
just pull out your Bible and just start reading it. And, and of course, he's talking about, you know, you know, showing the world who we are and that our hope is in Christ and that we love the Word of God. And, you know, when you're sitting in the youth group with all of your Christian friends, we're like, yeah, that's awesome. I can't wait to do it. Next morning. I woke up and I grabbed my Bible. And I remember as I got to school, my little Bible just got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger in my hands. And then eventually, by the time I got into like my first hour and, uh, and we finished classes and I looked down in my bag, I felt like I was picking up. You ever been like those old school churches where they have those huge Bibles at the front? They're like this thick. And I felt like it was just like you know, dropping this massive thing, and I'm going to open it up. I felt like every eye was on me. I remember sitting there, and as I'm reading the Bible, I'm literally taking nothing in. My mind is thinking about, so like, I'm reading the words, but as I'm reading the words, what's actually going on in my head is, oh, that girl three rows back, she's really cute. I hope she doesn't think like I'm too much of a Jesus freak. And I remember thinking, like, those guys I play sports with, and uh, I, I hope, you know, I hope that they don't think I'm too much of, it, like, a Jesus freak or that I'm, I'm too weird. Or, and then I remember sitting in my class, you know, thinking, I'm going to read my Bible now. I've not said a word to anybody. I'm just reading this. And I remember thinking, well, maybe I'm going to hurt my witness by reading this right now. Maybe the most spiritual thing I should do is put it away. Because I don't, I don't want to hurt my witness of people. I remember having this huge internal battle. Here's the reality. I loved Jesus, but I feared man more. I loved Jesus, but I feared man more. I really did love Jesus. But I really feared what men were going to think of me, what people were going to think of me, how society was going to view me. I feared man. I feared man more. I want to catch up in the story really fast. So far with the story of Moses, kind of looping back in a little bit with what Mike was speaking on last week and then filling in little gaps. God has rescued his people out of Egypt. It's happened. God has rescued his people out of Egypt into the wilderness. And he rescues them into the wilderness to remember who they are, Exodus 7, 16, right? So God has rescued his people. Ultimately, he's going to take them to the promised land. Sorry for the bait and switch earlier. He's going to take them to the promised land. But initially what he does is he rescues them into the wilderness to remember who they are. Here's why. God rescued his people from the Egyptians. Now he needed to get Egypt out of their hearts. God rescued his people from the Egyptians. Now he needed to get Egypt out of their hearts. And, and I, I want to pause on that thought. And, and I, I do realize, I mean, I have had, in more than 20 years of ministry, I've had so many people come to me with different prayer requests. Help get me out of debt. Help save my marriage. I want to get over the sickness. I'm battling with depression. Help me with anxiety. I mean, a mountain of prayer requests have come my way. And almost always when I sit and meet with people, they want to pray that their hardship comes to an end so they can go back to their former life that they enjoyed. They want to pray that their hardship comes to an end so they can go back to their former life that they enjoyed. 
Like, I, I really want rescued from this anxiety. Why? So I can go back to things that I was doing before and be able to enjoy them again. I really want to be rescued from this depression so I can go back to the things I was doing and, and enjoy them again. I really want to be rescued out of this debt so I can go back to the, I want to be able to start over. We want to be rescued back into Egypt. And wilderness times are, are really interesting. In fact, when we often think of wilderness times, we often think of wilderness times as bad. When you read scripture, you often think of wilderness times as bad. All through scripture, it is true that there are hard moments in the wilderness. But all through scripture, they are places where vision, mission, and the presence of God are found. They are places where the vision, mission, and presence of God are found. It's true that there are hard moments, and even at times in the wilderness, you can feel distant from the Lord, but it is also the places where heaven is opened up. It's the places where Jesus spent time with the Father. It's, I mean, they are the places where vision, mission, and the presence of God are found. They are often places of clarity. They're places of remembering, and they're places of deep intimacy with God. That's what's often happening in the wilderness. That's what's often happening in the wilderness. So God rescues his people out of Egypt into the wilderness to see him clearly and get Egypt out of their hearts. I just want to like kind of let a thought simmer for a minute. How much of this world would God have to remove from you? For you to really have a moment where you recalibrate what you love, what you want, what you pursue. Exodus 14, 1 through 4, we're going to go through a couple of different sections here, looking at the Red Sea story. I'm going to start with Exodus 14, 1 through 4, then I'm going to jump to verse 9. If you are using your Bibles that are in the chairs, I'm going to start on page 62, but I'm going to be jumping pretty quick through the chapters. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the people of Israel to turn back and encamp in front of Pihiroth, between Migdol and the sea, and in front of Baal Zephon. You shall encamp facing it by the sea, for Pharaoh will say to the people of Israel, They are wandering in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart. We're going to circle back to that in a minute. And he will pursue them, and I will get glory over Pharaoh and his host. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. And they did so. Jumping down to verse 9. The Egyptians pursued them, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and his horsemen and his army, and overtook them and camped at the sea by Pihiroth and in front of Baal-Zephon. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching on them, and they feared greatly, and the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. All right, let's pause on the story for a second. In the wilderness, 
God is going to replace their deep fear and submission to Egypt. He's going to replace it to deep fear and submission to himself. In the wilderness, God is going to replace their deep fear and submission to Egypt. He's going to replace it to himself. And and, and I want to just go back to even the opening idea for a second. I'm not asking you today... And in these moments of hardship with the Egyptians as they're making their way out of Egypt, it's not like God is asking them, do you love me or want me? He's asking them, do you love me more than you fear Egypt? Do you trust me more than you fear Egypt? Do you want to be right with me more than you fear Egypt? And, and so in, in, in a sense, I guess I'm asking you the same thing. I'm not asking you today, do you love Jesus? I'm asking you, do you love Jesus more than you fear man? I'm asking you if you love Jesus more than you fear how your coworkers would view you if they found out you were following Lord. I'm asking you if you love Jesus more than you fear, I mean, the risk of being generous. And God is provider. I'm asking you if you love Jesus more than you fear man. The wilderness is the place where we rightly order our fears, rightly order our respect, rightly order our allegiances. Are you driven more by your fear of how your neighbors, coworkers, and friends see you? Or do you love God even more than you fear their view of you? Exodus 14, 5 through 18. Let's keep rolling. The Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Now, in that alone, I just think, man, poor Moses. I mean, I can't help but have compassion on the guy, seriously, at least from me. I mean, Moses is like, Lord, what do you want me to do now? And he's like, just keep doing what I told you to do. Isn't that the way God often works? Like, he gives us a command And then we're supposed to be faithful to it. It's like God speaks in a powerful way. And then sometimes you have months or years where you're just following it. And you keep wanting God to give you new plans. And he's like, just be faithful to the one I already told you to do. Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. That the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts Of the Egyptians, so that they shall go in after them, and I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts, his chariots and his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. This represents the power of Egypt, the showmanship of Egypt. Circling back to last week a little bit with Mike, Pastor Mike, the other Pastor Mike who spoke, we see yet another monumental shift in trust. From the defeat of the Egyptian gods through the plagues to Moses stretching out his staff, this is all about solidifying a rightly ordered trust and honor. I'm not asking if you love God. I'm asking if you love God more than you fear man. I'm not asking if you love God today. I'm asking if you love God more than you fear man. I want you to notice again, God hardens Pharaoh's heart. It's happened, it's been stated a couple of times in the text so far. This is literally a solidifying of the direction of his heart. God makes his heart unchangeable from the direction he wanted it to go. I think there is nothing scarier 
than God actually giving you fully over to the sinful things you think you want. Exodus 15, 1 through 2. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. And horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. This is my God. I will praise him, my Father's God. I will exalt him. A couple of things from this. First, This is the first song of worship in the Bible. Now, there is poetry prior to this, but it's the first kind of official publicly sung song in the Bible, worship song in the Bible. It also uses the word salvation. The Egyptian, in a sense, the Egyptian detox is beginning to happen. You see in their words, you see in their song, this shifting of the order of what they are going to trust more. And I really do believe that worship reveals our, our, our hearts. And we all are worshipers. I mean, like, sometimes I wish that we could, um, I don't know, this, this would be fun. Kids, you got to do this with your parents. Parents, you got to do it with your kids. This is probably going to cause tons of fights in your home, but it would be interesting. <laughs> you ought to record... Just your parents, like, you know, we got cell phones now everywhere. It'd be interesting just, like, to record your parents. Like, where do they get most excited? What do they talk about most? What are they giving their prime attention to? Like, go to a Colts game and just record your mom or dad. What is the revelation of their heart, passion, excitement? Just record it. Don't say anything. Just record them. And then go to church with them on a Sunday morning. Oh, man. And just record your parents and their involvement and their engagement. They go to like a, a, any sports game, right? right? I mean, just pay attention to your parents like as they watch Fox News or CNN or whatever your preferred exaggerated network of choice is, right? Like whatever you want to watch, right? Just record their engagement. How many hours do they give to that every day? And then record them and their time and how much they're giving to reading the Word of God. Just record it. Like, wouldn't it be interesting just to kind of lay out in front, like in front of us, each of us, to have laid out in front of us where our attention, what do we actually want to be involved in? What are we actually getting excited about? What are we actually wanting to really care about? What is actually calling out to us? What has our heart been been taught to long for and have it laid out in front of us? Wouldn't it be really interesting just to see laid out in front of you what you actually are giving your passion to? See, this is why when God rescues you, he can't just rescue him He can't just rescue you into loving him while you're still in Egypt. He has to take you to the wilderness and give you something new to actually be excited. Rightly aimed passion, rightly aimed love, rightly aimed honor, rightly aimed fears. It's one thing to love Jesus. It's another thing to love Jesus more than you fear and desire Egypt. And, and I really do wonder, I wonder this, and, and, and please, with all, with all grace and compassion, I think there are an army, I know this from Barna Research, most people in America still claim to be Christian today, claim it. We have an army of people that love the person Jesus, 
but they really fear, respect, and honor man more. They do. I'm not asking if you love Jesus. Not today, though that port- that's a very important question. I'm asking him if, I'm asking you if, you if you love him more than you fear man. The rightly ordering of trust the rightly ordering of fear, the rightly ordering of hope will continue with God providing daily direction in the wilderness. Exodus 13, 22. With God providing water. Exodus 15, 27. With God providing food. Exodus 16, 4. Manna. And with God even providing health. Exodus 15, 27. I'm going to invite Josh up. I want to sum some of these ideas. What if God would have taken, and again, this is speculation, what if God would have taken these people who had 400 years of Egypt shaping? And brought them directly into the promised land. No wilderness to be detoxed. Well, there's a lot of hints from the text. The reality is they would have just made another Egypt. Except now they're the ones that get half the power. See, every young entrepreneur, suburban campuses this morning, every young entrepreneur that wants God to just bless the socks off of what you're doing, but you want to bypass the shaping of your heart stage, what ends up happening is you look at these people that you're picking on now. I've seen this happen over and over again. You look at these people you're picking on and how they spend their money and where they put it, how they, but then when God gives you and blesses you with all these resources and you bypass the wilderness, you know what happens? You just become them. Another person justifying, respecting, fearing, looking just like Egypt, all while saying you love Jesus. What if the wilderness is a gift that gets Egypt out of your heart? So when you do land in your promised land, you don't make another Egypt. I'm not asking you today if you love Jesus, though that's an important question. I'm asking if you love Jesus more than you fear man. I, 
I'd encourage you, this last week, uh, Josh and I, we did a, a podcast together. Uh, it's on our the church podcast, the Made for More. Am I getting that name right? Made for More podcast. And uh, I know... Uh, I know many of you listened to it, but I encourage you, this last week we talked about this in even more depth, gave it even more time, and we talked about how this ties in with revival. And I'd encourage you to check it out, listen to it, and listen to two nerdy guys have a lot of fun talking about Bible stuff. But there I was, right, as a teenager, sitting in youth group and my my youth pastor is like just take your Bibles and read them at school that's all you got to do don't you don't have to say anything to anybody you don't have to make a big deal about it just in between time right when classes are done and before the bell rings just pull open your Bible and just read and in the youth department that night, we're like, that's a great idea. We can do this. And then from the moment I left the youth department to the moment I sat in class and went to grab that Bible, my Bible just got bigger and heavier and bigger and heavier and bigger and heavier until it felt like I was pulling out a huge brick and sitting it on my desk and opening it up. And the whole time I'm looking down, my heart is on what all of these people might think. It's not even in here. My fears, and it's, it's okay. I mean, no, I, my goal is not to cause any shame. I just want you to see it. My fears were misaligned. I feared man more than God. My fears were misaligned. I feared man more than God. I had to realize there is nothing more terrifying than being separated from God. Like, what they think about me, it doesn't even pale in comparison to how this is. Not even close. It's not like that's kind of important and this is a little more important. It's like this is absolutely everything. And, and I want to be clear, too, like, just think about this for a moment. When all of us in this room, we live with the fear of man on our hearts, have you ever noticed, the older you are, the more you'll know this to be true, but even teenagers, you know this. Have you ever noticed how fickle and hard and difficult it is to live trying to stay in the favor of all these random people and your assumptions of what they all think about you? always trying to live in the favor of your neighbor, in the favor of your classmates, in the favor of your coworkers. I mean, like, what you wear, you begin to obsess about how you look. Am I in the right style? Do I not? I mean, like, it's literally a prison to live here of man constantly. It is the prison. The fear of the Lord isn't a prison. you got to see this. It's not a prison. It's a freedom. The fear of the Lord isn't a prison, it's a freedom. Listen, it's impossible to keep in favor with secular culture. It's equally impossible to be undesired and unloved by God. Romans 
The fear of the Lord is a freedom. The fear of man is an awful prison. To shake off the shackles of Egypt, right? Literally, to shake off the shackles of Egypt and to also shake Egypt out of your heart sets you free from its enslaving nature. I'm not asking you today. I'm not asking you today if you love God, though that's very important. I'm asking you if you love God more than you fear man. That's what I'm asking you today. What about you? Do you have any misaligned fears? Any misaligned trusts? Any misaligned hopes? What part of Egypt What part of Egypt are you still needing to detox out of your heart? I'm just going to let the spirit run with that. think God wants to say to you? Remember, it's impossible to stay desired by man and culture. It's impossible to stay desired. It is equally impossible to become undesired by God. While we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. The fear of the Lord is the freedom. The fear of the Lord is the freedom. Your next steps card, on the back of the chair in front of you, If you need to talk with the pastor about your spiritual journey, mark it on the card. If you need to begin a relationship with Jesus, mark it on the card. If you need to rededicate your life, mark starting a relationship with Jesus. We want to talk to you. If you need to be baptized, mark it on the card, that public proclamation. We're going to do a number of those uh, next service, I believe. Correct? Next services. I think they're happening all over, which is great. Yeah, this one too. This one too? This one too? Yeah, Awesome. If you need to discover more about your spiritual gifts and calling, mark it on the Next Steps card. If you need to join a group, mark it on the card. If you want to learn how to share Jesus in your spheres of influence, mark it on the card. We want to follow up with you. My friends, remember the Red Sea. Remember the Red Sea. Remember the wilderness. Remember 
how God was rescuing his people, not just out of Egypt. He was removing Egypt from their hearts so they could actually taste the goodness of the promised land. I'm not asking you today if you love Jesus, though that's very important. I'm asking if you love Jesus more than you fear man. Thanks for listening to Sunday Sermon on the Made for More podcast. If you are not connected in a church community, we would love to connect with you. Send us a message on social media or fill out a digital next steps card at encountertrinity.com slash next steps.